0: Turn to Psalm 16, please. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through to verse 11. A hope and a joy that death cannot destroy. That's the title of my sermon. A hope and a joy that death cannot destroy. This evening we're going to complete our study of Psalm 16, which was written by David. And which reveals to us some very clear glimpses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus far, we have looked at trusting in the Lord and not hastening after false gods. And today, starting at verse 6, we shall remain focused upon God and joyfully trusting in him, in tribulation and even in death. Let's have a look at verse 6 in Psalm 16. Mm. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Thinking about David saying those words. Those lines allude to boundary lines. For example, uh, the... Allotment of land, such as when Canaan was divided up amongst the Israelites. And also when the Lord preserved King David and gave him the victory over the Philistines, over the Syrians, the Moabites and various other nations. So David says in verse 6, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Furthermore, in Psalm 23, King David declared, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. At the end of Psalm 23, he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was able to say those words, and you can see the certainty of those words. No maybes, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He could say that from a thankful heart and that was because he was trusting in the Lord for victory over the most hideous enemy of all, sin. And he was trusting in the Lord for everlasting life. Little wonder that here in verse 6 David proclaimed, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. His goodly heritage was a heavenly one. Like Abraham, David was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and whose maker is God. That was his goodly heritage, ultimately. When it comes to Jesus, the Son of God, looking at verse 6, the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Those lines that have fallen to the Lord Jesus Christ in pleasant places, it refers not to land but to people. And the goodly heritage refers to a peculiar people who have been given to him by his Father. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12, it is written that the Lord will divide him, that's divide Jesus, a portion with the great. Therefore, those whom Jesus has redeemed with his own precious blood and clothed with his righteousness, they are his portion. They are his goodly heritage. They are his delight. That's you, that's me, if you are trusting in Jesus. His goodly heritage. People like us, They are a great multitude from all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, people who have been given to Jesus by his Father. Those who make up the goodly heritage of the Lord Jesus Christ are loved by God with an everlasting love, and they have been chosen by him before the foundation of the world according to the riches of God's grace and the good pleasure of his will. The sentiment that is expressed in verse 6 by David is one of joy, even in adversity, with him keeping in view the goodness and the unmerited favour of God towards him and also the goodly heritage or inheritance that he would receive from the Lord. He had that inheritance, that goodly heritage in view. Maybe you are experiencing difficulties, pain, sorrow, perhaps due to ill health. Maybe you've lost someone who was very dear to you, you loved very much, they're gone. Maybe you're struggling with temptation and sin. Nevertheless, if you're trusting in Jesus as your Saviour, then you too can lift up your eyes to heaven and you too can boldly declare the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places yea, I have a goodly heritage you can say these words you must say these words if you belong to Jesus because Jesus himself lifts us above our present circumstances look at verse 7 I will bless the Lord who have given me counsel, my reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I will bless the Lord, it says there. I will bless the Lord. Let's think about when God blesses us. Perhaps we're more used to that idea, God blessing us. For example, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. God blessing us. When God blesses us, he bestows favour upon us. And he causes us to prosper. To prosper spiritually. For example, all of you who are the goodly heritage of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are greatly blessed by God. Because you have received forgiveness of sins. You have received everlasting life. You've been given every good gift and every perfect gift from God above. Most certainly God has prospered you with every blessing in Christ Jesus. Looking at it the other way round, with God being the one who is blessed, David saying, I will bless the Lord. Or you, saying, I will bless the Lord. What does that mean? How can we bless God? We bless God when we praise him. We celebrate him. And we adore him on bended knee when we fall prostrate before him. That's how David blessed God. It's about worshipping God, it's about adoring God. Not bestowing favours upon God, as he does to us. Not giving God every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, but falling down before him, worshipping him, adoring him. The the one true God, and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 95 and verse 6 it is written, O oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. That ought to be the attitude of heart of all who bless God. An example of blessing God can be found in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 12 through to 14, where it is written, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide and three cubits high and had set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel spread out his hands towards heaven and he said Lord God of Israel there is no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts one might say that Solomon was blessing God on that platform if you understand what I mean about us blessing God, then maybe you can appreciate that only those who are fully trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins can legitimately and truly bless God they are people who are eternally thankful to God and they are people who truly do adore him and worship him in the beauty of holiness People who have been washed with the blood of Jesus. People who are clothed in the beloved Son. They are people who adore God with his enabling grace. Such people speak from sanctified hearts as they sing, Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns, around the glassy sea, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who wert and art and evermore shall be. Let's have a look at verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. In verse 8, David said, I have set the Lord always before me. I've no idea what was going on with David when he wrote that psalm. One tends, or I certainly imagine that he was involved in some kind of tribulation, a war, some kind of a battle going on. Even though he was king, he had a lot of difficult times and a lot of struggles with sin as well. Even so, David said, or particularly so, David said, I have set the Lord always before me. He had no difficulty seeing that, seeing the Lord through eyes of faith. The Lord was always at his right hand, counselling him, guiding him, instructing him, and comforting him. With the Lord as David's anchor, he would not be moved. In other words, he would not be made to toss to and fro in uncertainty and in fear. If you are a Christian, you too ought to be able to say, I shall not be moved. And that is because you have the Lord set before you always. In the scriptures, You have the Lord Jesus Christ. And within you, wherever you may be, for Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to be your comforter, to be your advocate, to be your guide. And Jesus himself has said that he will make his abode with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am always with you, even until the end of the world, Jesus said. Verses 9 and 10. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. I would think just about everyone in the world would hope for something, I don't know what, depending on your circumstances, depending on where a person is in the world, but people hope for things and by definition you hope in um, desirable things to happen in the future. You don't hope for something that's already happened, it doesn't make sense. You hope for something good to happen in your life in the future. But for most people, their hopes die when they die. However, David said, my flesh also shall rest in hope. You see that, the last part of verse 9. My flesh also shall rest in hope. What did he mean there? David had a hope that would endure even in death. He was saying that his body would rest in hope even in the grave. How wonderful that is when you can say that. When you have a hope that you know will not die with when you die. A hope that reaches heaven. Who in here can say hand on heart that you have a hope that reaches up to heaven. Thank you. Amen to that. David gave the reason for having a hope that would continue after the death of his body when he said, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, in the grave. Thou wilt not leave my soul in the grave. We see that in verse 10. David had every assurance that when his soul separated from his body at death, he would go to be with the Lord, which is far better. And that was a certain hope, and it is a goodly hope, a certain hope, a goodly hope of all the redeemed of the Lord. All of the redeemed of the Lord, all you Christians in here, should be able to say that shooting from the heart, my flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in the grave. You say it and you mean it and you thank God for it. We see that to be the case with the dying thief who turned to Jesus and said to him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Then came that wonderful promise of King Jesus when he said, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross had that promise from Jesus that he would be with him in paradise, in heaven. And then there was the Apostle Paul who in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 said, We are confident, I say, and willing, confident and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. Are you confident of that? And are you willing for that to happen? To be absent from the body and to be with the Lord? The Apostle Paul was. He wasn't being morbid or miserable. He had a heart that was filled with hope. In those words, the apostle was clearly teaching separation of body and soul at death with the soul going to be with Jesus, which for the redeemed is far better. What I can say with certainty is that all of you who have not cried out to God for mercy and you have not received Jesus as your saviour from sin, you have absolutely nothing to look forward to when you die. You do not have a hope that goes beyond the grave. You cannot say what David said, my flesh also shall rest in hope. As for you who belong to Jesus, you who are his goodly heritage, death will bring you into his presence where you will behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, the one who is full of grace and truth. You really will fall prostrate before him then, won't you? When you see that face. Eh? We can't really appreciate it, even begin to appreciate it, but we know it will be wonderful. Beautiful. Let's have a look at verse 10 again. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. The second part of verse 10 there neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Who do you imagine that is? Who does that refer to? Who is the holy one there? Because whoever it is, their body would not see corruption. It would not see decay in the grave. David? It can't be, can it? the Holy One, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no reason to imagine that David's body did not see corruption when he died. We have every reason to be certain that David was speaking about Jesus in verse 10. That his body did not see corruption and that with his resurrection he was declared with power To be the Son of God. That God highly exalted Jesus and that he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It can only be Jesus. We can be certain of that because we are told that that is the case in the New Testament, that David was speaking about Jesus that he is the Holy One. I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 25 through to 36. You can turn to that or just listen very carefully as I read Acts chapter 2 verse 25 through to 36. For David speaketh concerning him, this Jesus, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one, to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell or in the, in the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption, this Jesus have God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost he have shed forth this which you now see and hear. Of course this was the day of Pentecost and they received the Holy Spirit. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. I'm back in... Psalm 16 here, and so we can say with certainty, just as if you're a Christian, you can say with absolute certainty, my flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. That applies to you. Your soul will not be left, left in the grave. Your soul will go to be with Jesus. And furthermore, in verse 10, David speaks specifically about the Lord Jesus Christ, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Finally, we come to verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of life. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I like that word in the Bible so much, evermore. Everything's temporary in this world, isn't it? We know that to be the case. Even our time in this world is temporary. But David speaks to pleasures forevermore in verse 11. That's a long time, isn't it? Evermore. (laughs) Evermore. Even with whatever was going on in David's life, he was still able to say, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. That's precisely how it ought to be for all of you who are trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin and you're walking with him on the path of life. That path is one on which you are yoked to him. What a wonderful thing again, to be yoked. To the Lord Jesus Christ. Yoke to him. And he leads you. On that path of life. You follow him in obedience. And you rejoice. As you suffer. His reproach. You suffer. For his sake. It is a blessed walk. In which Jesus your shepherd. Makes you lie down. In green pastures. And he leads you. Beside the still waters. And then when your time in this world is finally up, that joy will surely reach its highest point, its climax, when your Jesus you shall see and you shall look upon his face, the one who saved you by his grace. Amen.